Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for February 21st of 2020. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Wallace from HockeyHits.com. Hello, and we are back. We were supposed to be back two weeks ago. <laughs> we recorded, uh, but the drinks were flowing in Vegas, and uh, neither of us noticed that our Surface Pro went on, uh, the screensaver went on. And wouldn't you know it, it stopped recording after 10 minutes. So you're going to get some bonus content at the end of this podcast. Uh, our first ever in-person podcast that we've done, uh, you will get that at the end of today's podcast. Uh, there was about 60 more minutes to it, but uh, <laughs> that is forever lost on the 20th floor of the Bellagio Hotel in Las Vegas. Yeah, um, felt like a bit of a dick realizing that that had happened when we went back to it. <laughs> it was what it was. It's almost perfect <laughs> in a in a sense. Um, well, yeah. What, what's day, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, and uh, we we had just know we had a great time recording it, and uh, we we had a great time together in Vegas. I thought, and it was really cool that we got to make that happen. Um, so what we're gonna do is try and have a few of the conversations we we know we had um, <laughs> we remember having and um we'll throw the 10 minutes on at the end here we're also going to talk trade deadline uh jason zucker uh, i know that trades from a while back but we haven't been on since then we'll throw our two cents in on that but to lead with uh cam you you had a hell of a vacation i gotta say and it spanned the entire united states and i'm just gonna let you kind of Take us a little bit through it, because it, it was really, a lot of us should be envious of this trip. Oh, okay. All right. So this was done in a more interactive way when we did it in Vegas, but because we have like, yeah, anyway, we're doing it again, so this will be good. Started off, we landed in LA, and we flew straight up to San Francisco and spent a few days up in San Fran. Um, and San Francisco is fantastic. If you ever get a chance to go out there... Um, and you've got kids, um, or you don't have kids, but especially if you've got kids, there's so many really cool things you can do. Like we went to Alcatraz, which was great fun. Um, great for the kids. If you don't yeah, shut uh, the fuck up, we're leaving you here. That's <laughs> you see, this is the thing with not having kids. I don't have to roll that thread out there, but it's one you could definitely use. We're leaving you on this some, island. Yeah, it's just it. Look, we were the entire trip. We, we were blessed in the sense that everywhere we went, everybody said, "Oh, this is sort of seasonably, uh, unseasonably warm weather." So bear in mind, we're in we're at Alcatraz at the end of January. It should have been ball crunchingly freezing, and it wasn't. So I would suggest picking a good time to go because it's right off that. Well, it's in the bay, obviously. It, it could be really, really cold. But Alcatraz is great. You know, we did the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, Coit Tower. Um, <clears throat> went and watched a, um, a Golden State Warriors game at the new Chase Center. Um, that building is amazing. It still smells of its style because it's so new. Like, there's no character to it yet. But give it three or four years and it'll be... I mean, it's great now, but give it three or four years and it'll have that new rub off it. And it'll be really, really cool. Um, cool place to watch basketball. That screen they have in Chase Center is so big. They have all of their advanced stats on there, all of 
everything you would want to know about what's going on on the game, it's just there, like, right in front of you. And it's it's so big. And, like, me and my little brother were, we were up rafter-ish with our seats for that game. You almost felt like you'd reach out and touch it. It was just, it's just an incredible venue. And for somebody that likes advanced numbers, just to see something like that, <clears throat> excuse me, would be fantastic on some of the, the hockey venues which would be great so when we finished up in san fran we actually drove um, yep i remember a point that i made in our original podcast when yeah, you brought yeah, that yeah. Up was um some of the things that the vegas golden knights did at the game we did but oh i just i'm just saying this out loud to remember to say it later <laughs> oh yes 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 um so we we left san fran in a car and we drove down the pacific coast highway and we stopped off at San Simeon uh, overnight, and then we stopped at Santa Barbara, I believe it is. And from Santa Barbara, we caught the Amtrak into LA. There was no way my wife or I were going to drive into LA. It's just not putting ourselves through that with everything being backwards for the way we drive. It was like, not nah, not doing that. And my younger brother and my mum weren't driving, so we made the call and we trained it in to LA. Nothing like LA. LA traffic when you're used to not <laughs> yeah. driving in the country. <laughs> yeah. That seems no like way. a real miserable uh, experience. Yeah. So that was, that was an easy decision to, to make. And so we, we got to LA. Um, we went out to uh, Universal Studios for a day and, and did that. I've got some really cool photos um in simpsons land and some transformer stuff and all that so that was really cool fun did the tour out there as well um we went to a um went to a clippers game against indiana no sorry it was against sacramento and sacramento absolutely destroyed them it was oh that's why because Kawhi leonard didn't play Low one of those games yeah good, was, good enough for the all-star game though yeah, that sucked for us though. We were like, "Oh god damn it!" So that wasn't that wasn't great. Now, um, do you want a tidbit of trivia that I did not mention last time we did this? Please do. Yes. The Sacramento Kings are the former NBA champions, Rochester Royals. Oh, they are too. Yeah. So we have an NBA championship in Rochester. It is. <laughs> The current Sacramento Kings. So there, there you go. Uh, are they are they the last championship team in in Rochester slash Buffalo area? No, I think the Bills AFL title because oh, right. the, the the Royals title is from the fifties. I believe the yeah, Bills okay. won the AFL title uh, before the merger. Merger. And yeah, I just nineteen sixty ish with Jack Kemp. That sounds about right. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Point being, it's been a long fucking time. <laughs> I was I was sort of poking the bear a little bit there when I said that. <laughs> so I, I, I apologize. <laughs> um, so we got to watch the Kings v. the Lightning as well. Um, that was my mum and my brother's first ever live hockey game. Okay. Um, and when I bought the seats, I didn't realize it, but I'd bought sweet seats. <laughs> so we they've gone if hockey's like this all the time i love this sport i said don't get comfortable here this wasn't deliberate i didn't realize i'd got seats that were quite this comfortable and plush guys already um, got a mint vacation going oh i <laughs> accidentally bought sweet tickets <laughs> yeah so so it does show you price wise what happens when a team gets shit yeah right like they were within a price bracket that 
the four of us were comfortable paying for a couple of games. And the seats that we got in Nashville, which we'll get to in a sec, um, weren't as nice as that. They were still good seats, but they weren't as good as, as those ones. And, you know, the Tampa Bay game with, with LA was, was pretty good. Tampa were terrible the first 30 minutes of that game. And then Victor Hedman started playing properly and the game just turned on a dime. Like, even my brother noticed, he's gone, these guys are terrible. And I'm like, trust me, they're not. And and then he's like, okay, I get what you mean. I mean, he had no idea why they turned it around. Um, but he, you, could, you could just tell, like, Tampa are unreal. And I'm so glad I got to see them three times on this trip, to be honest. Right? That's not a bad um, um, opponent. No. When I when I booked the trip and, like, Tampa started off terribly, I'm like, oh, my God, what's happened? Because I was seeing them three times on this trip. You know, I got to see them three times. I got to see Vegas three times. Um, Penguins once. I got to see Carolina. So I got to see, you know, Sid play. I got to see Fleury play. And I got to see Stall play. So I was pretty fucking stoked with, with all of that. Nice. Um, so from, from LA, we went to Nashville. And we went there for the Vegas-Nashville game. Um, that was... That was really good fun being in Nashville for two nights. Um, there's some really cool cultural stuff there because they've got a whole heap of stuff for the civil rights movement and the black movement. So I would suggest going there and checking that out. Um, I actually got to go and stand in front of the grave of a dead president, Polk. So that was pretty interesting. Ah, our was... best one. No, I yeah, know. nobody knows no. anything about him. Correct, that's my point. But it's still another thing. You're like, oh, cool, that's a president, sort of thing. So that was that was pretty cool. So we went we went from, and that was we weren't sure if Fleury was going to play in that game, and I got a shutout in that, so that was all right. And that was probably his best game of the three that I watched. It certainly um, wasn't the one we went to. <laughs> no, it was a great game, but it was not a goaltender's game. That is fucking. For um, sure. Now you had told me you thought Nashville was the best. Uh, was it the best hockey that experience Vegas, or? Yeah. Well, Nashville just had a great, like Nashville was struggling and they were at the time we watched them. Right. And, and that building was still pumped. Like they just fired their coach. They were transitioning to playing slightly differently. Their roster's a little bit of a mess and the crowd was just up the entire time. It was, they had, uh, they had a live band in there and, it was just, it just had a really good feel to it. Like, it was a really good place to watch hockey. Um, it translated during the Stanley Cup final, too, when Pittsburgh played them, I thought, at least. Yeah. And one of my biggest disappointments is that Nashville used to play a Thanksgiving night game at home. And after you watch, like, the two afternoon football games um, for Thanksgiving in the United States... Yeah, there is a Saturday night football game, and sometimes those games are really great. Sometimes they're not, though, and I always liked having the option of watching the Nashville hockey game because the energy and everything came through the screen, and it was great. And it was just yeah, nice to have a hockey game. I can see why, because it's just fantastic. Like, it really, really is. Tampa's good in a different way because um, we'll get to that in a sec. So from, from Nashville, we went down to Miami. I've got a brother that lives and works in Miami with his family, so... We hung out there for a couple of days. No hockey involved in that. <laughs> and then we flew up to Tampa Bay to go watch Tampa play Vegas and Tampa play Pittsburgh. So we watched 
those two games. Unfortunately, the Penguins lost that one. Unfortunately, they weren't very they good that game, lost. were they? Was that the they seemed they... flat? They seemed flat and a little bit off. Um, they didn't get spanked, but it wasn't it wasn't a, a highly exciting game or anything like that. Um, Gino and Sid were good. Latang I thought, thought was was great. Um, but yeah, they got beat, and you know it is what it is in in that sense. The the Vegas game was more exciting. Now, um, now this this guy's going to come up later, but you, you you had some criticism of of a certain penguin maybe that I recall you mentioning. Oh, hang on, are we going to talk about Jack Johnson? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, you, you, I mean. Yeah, our our opinions on this are not new, but it was just no. funny that you went watched and you were still. You watch him live and felt the need worse. to explain to me when we talk about this all the time just how bad it was. I always thought that yeah, was funny. You you watch you watch him live and it sticks out even more, like to the point that my wife, who gets suckered into watching a lot of hockey with me anyway, um, on the TV, can get there and go, he's terrible. Why is he over there? Why is he doing what he's doing? It's just, yeah, you watch him live. Like, you hear the whole numbers and eye test, right? And you hear that argument all the time. Um, it's, it's, it's a non-starter. It's like the, the numbers bear out the eye test. He's shit. He's <laughs> shit to watch. And it's just, it sticks out even more when you're watching it live. And I don't understand why people defend him. It's just contrarian, I guess. I don't know. I don't. I just. I do not understand it. I, I just. I don't get it. And I mean, you threw out some numbers today in regards to him this year and last year, and, and it's not pretty. It's the same. And this. And I know they're waiting for Dumoulin to get back, and that that pairing will be split. I get that. It's got to but... be done now, though. It's been too bad, and they're well. We'll talk later. But their underlying yeah. numbers are starting to look bad. They are and starting to go. It's the not all. On, it's not all on Johnson, but when no. you are um, submarining your best defender, uh, that, that it's a relevant discussion. So. They're losing the shot share more often than not now, game to game, and and that's problematic when you're a team that relies on actually having the puck because you're supposed to be fast. Anyway, we're getting distracted. Um, yeah, so did those two games uh, in Tampa, then went from Tampa to vegas yep and this is where we got to catch up i, I awesome. actually beat you there <laughs> you did you got there 24 hours before us and um, um yeah but my lead up to that was not as i was teaching <laughs> wasn't uh, going coast to coast uh, well we almost didn't games. we almost didn't get out of tampa where oh that's the, right the, the night of the um i think it was the I can't remember who played first, whether it was Pittsburgh or or Vegas. Anyway, the night of the second game that we watched, um, we're waiting for an Uber, and then my phone starts beeping this weird beep, and it's like, what the fuck's going on here? So we look at my phone, and it's like, oh, tornado warning. And we're like, what the fuck? So we get in the Uber, because it just turns up as it's stopped beeping, and we said to the guy, did you get one of those tornado? He said... Yeah, I did. And we sort of looked at him and said, so what the hell do we do? He goes, I don't know. So we're about three minutes away from the house we're Airbnb in, and it just buckets down. Like, it's like we'd sort of driven into, like, a wall of rain. 
So it wasn't raining when we got in the car, but by the time we got near the place to stay at, it was like a wall of rain. Some of the roads, like you drive on them, and the gutters weren't holding the water properly, so it just the car had sprayed the water everywhere. It was just torrential. Now that's normal um, for Florida to have like the rain. <clears throat> I don't necessarily think it's totally normal to have it uh, coexist with a tornado. Watch. Well, no, it's so cyclone. Seems more like a world, Midwest right? Oklahoma issue. Yeah. So anyway, we were lucky enough that it was literally an overnight thing, and we got up and we we left the next morning for Vegas. But it was like. Holy shit, man. Like, they actually had to change our flight. We were supposed to go through uh, Carolina to get to Vegas. Instead, we ended up going through Dallas. So, um, we went to Fort Worth, changed planes, off to... off to Yeah, so I've been to Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, at least the airport. Um, and then landed in Vegas. So, uh, the Vegas part of the trip was really cool. Got to catch up with you. Got to catch up with your brother. Got to go to a Bills bar. Ah, uh, yes, we did. Got you some <laughs> Western New York uh, wings. Yeah, you got some. They the wings were fine. They weren't. Um, they were good. Um, the fuck was the name of the place? I don't know. What I do, you know, what I do know, I know that I struggled for the first period of that Vegas game because of the gear you guys were filling me up with alcohol-wise. You and I sat there. We recorded the we recorded the podcast game day, right? No, we were supposed to. Right, okay. I well, was feeling right. like shit. The, 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 I, I had Dial. gone out the, the, the night before a little bit later than I had anticipated. And I was struggling when I got to you. <laughs> That's right. So we end up at this Bill's bar and we start drinking, I don't know. We got you some Labatt Blue. Come on. That's Okay. What was the, what was the freaking, what was the goddamn spirit drink I was drinking? Oh, was it? vodka something yeah it had some weird ass berry thingamajiggy i can't remember what it was but i had about four of them and it was quite potent <laughs> yeah with a couple well, of the beers and stuff your I, brother is dangerous man yeah he, he is i agree <laughs> anyway so my first 20 minutes of that game i'm a little bit oh shit i can't really remember what's going on however i do remember the entire game like i didn't drink again whilst we were at the game i had no need to i was that hammered um, but I, I didn't drink a ton at the game, but we did go in between the periods upstairs to the bar that's upstairs where I met the night. Is that good up there? Cause like I, yeah, I was, was down cool. a lower bowl. Yeah. Um, his, his season tickets are awesome. They're 200 level. There is no 300 level there. And they were right in between the, the blue lines. So it was awesome perfect vantage point yeah. that's where i like watching the games and uh he took us up to the i guess the 300 level would be this huge bar or at least part of it and i yep. uh, met the knight from the opening game sequence that's the one thing we missed because yeah. we couldn't freaking get a park to get to the goddamn game um so my brother apparently plays men's league against the guy and that's awesome he usually gets in trouble because he tries to steal his sword and security like gets mad at him until the night's <laughs> like Christ. leave him be <laughs> uh, but yeah he's a he's a dumbass and he will do those kinds of things sometimes um, he's a wilson i had a, a ryan reeves beer he has his own beer it was it was fine it was good um it's all right, when we went up there so we uh the game was really good, and I'm going to bring up what you kind of brought up earlier. Um, 
the the on screen stuff. Yeah. And I was super impressed. And mind you, I don't get to a ton of NHL games anymore, so I don't know how many arenas are doing this. Maybe you could tell me if it was happening in the other ones you went to, but they were so quick with the replays. A lot of times teams wait till the whistle to put the replays on, but Flurry, I think, saw a few go off his crossbar, and the replay was on the screen with no sound while the play was still going on, and I thought it was just nice to really see how close that shot was really quick. And it's the only venue they do it in. The, of all the ones I saw, it was they'd always wait. And I know it wasn't advanced stats per se, but that's what sparked me to, you know, I thought that was just an improvement on what I'm used to seeing. And it wasn't just for crossbars. It was for other, like, close moments and stuff. And I just thought that was a good in-game experience because you get that. You get that watching a WWE pay-per-view. Why can't you get it on an NHL game? The thing that's interesting, though, is that a lot of the times... You can you can hear it when you watch a game, when fans don't know what happened. And because they don't show it, you can't pick up what's going on. Like, there, there are times where it's almost like they've mandated not to put up penalty calls or stuff like that. And it's like... It makes no sense. You want the arena to know what's going on so they can get involved in the game. And... Yeah, having great saves and, and posts or, you know, good hits or good back checks get up on the, the screen quickly allows the fans to understand what's going on. And Let me um, tell you, the fans were awesome, and yeah. they are not tourists, like, no, my, like myself are, and you. Yeah, they, no, no, they, they are locals. Absolutely, they're that locals. That gear is everywhere. Yep. Everywhere. That's a hockey city. The, on, the on NHL top doesn't of that, get everything right. They nail it. On top of that, we went to the theme parks at the end of the trip as well in Anaheim. But on, on, I bring this up only because everywhere I went when I was wearing a Vegas top, somebody would would get there and say, go Knights, go, or say Vegas strong, walking past. And then I would repeat it back and they would look back at me and go, what the fuck is that accent? Um, <laughs> so it, it's, it's one of the things that I noticed, like the Vegas fans are everywhere. Like, I was often walking around in a, a Vegas top with a Penguins hat on. Um, and then people that actually knew what was going on. I had one, there was one person who was checking our bags for one of our flights. Actually, it might have been when we were leaving Vegas. She's got there and she's gone, what's this? Penguins hat and a Vegas top? Oh, you've got a flurry hat on. Okay, that makes sense. And I'm like, okay, she, she knows her shit. Like, yeah. she understood exactly what was going on with that combination of gear. So, it was... Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. Vegas is definitely a hockey city. You know, I know that the Raiders are going to turn up. I, I understand that, and things might shift. Stadium but, looked um, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that big black ass thing. My it, brother it said mean. that the Raiders are not as big as the Golden Knights, and doesn't predict they will be. Well, who knows? If they start winning, I mean, it rough, could be wrong, but yeah. Hey, look, I didn't think Vegas would be like they are, and and the Knights have done a brilliant job of. The game it's was a blast. Bl- the whole, yeah. um, well, the game itself was 6-5 in a shootout, and the Golden Knights were up 4-1, to one, which means somebody didn't have a good third period. No, he did not. And they were goals that he, there were two that he should have had back. A couple of them were screened or tips, I can't remember exactly, but there were a couple, that game should have ended in regulation. So my brother bet 
put a bet in on Vegas when they were down a goal with like six minutes left or whatever. Um, after Carolina came back and like Vegas tied it up like shortly after he put the bet down. And um, I said, dude, you're in good shape. If it goes to a shootout, Flurry's awesome in a shootout. And then he you're not wrong. Me. You are not wrong. He's like the best ever at it. And I said, that's great. And uh, he gave up two goals and they lost. Yeah. And I was like, God damn it. That yeah. would have been $140 for a, a bar tab. Straight to the casino. <laughs> so I just thought it was funny that you could do that from this parade at the seat. It was a, it was a great game to watch, though, like because yeah. so much happened in that game in itself. It was just, it was just a really good fun game. Like if you could get hockey like that every game, like if goalies let in that many goals all the time and that became the, the, the norm, couldn't give a toss because there were great saves by the goalies. There were great plays by the forwards and the defense. And it was just, it was really good fun to watch. It was two teams playing to win. There wasn't a team playing not to lose. And that was the thing with Vegas. When they got up 4-1, they didn't stop. They kept pushing and pushing and pushing. They just had a goalie that, that played badly in that third period, and that's why the game got close. And so one thing I've noticed with Vegas uh, for a while now is that I don't think they really needed to fire their coach. I think they just needed their goalie to make some saves. I mean, and, yeah. Now, they're still and, playing good. The coaching change hasn't tanked them yeah, or anything. Absolutely. It's, it's That's the thing. It's like this team is, as far as I can tell results-wise, they're exactly the same as they were before and after the coaching change. I think they're – I looked at the – I don't know, uh, a while back. Vegas was 68% expected goals for that game, and they gave up five. <laughs> yeah. Like – yeah, it's their season is going to to hinge on whether Fleury gets back to league average, or whether Fleury gets back to elite Fleury. If he gets back to elite Fleury, they might go all the way to the cup final again. If he gets back yeah, to average, yeah, if, they, if they're get, really good, and if he's playing at a high level, that's yeah. uh, going to be a hell of a combo, if especially for the Pacific just, team to get through. Yeah, if he just gets back to just league average, then they're still going to go a fair way because right now he is below league average and. and if he turns that around, they're fine. They're, they're, they are really, really good. Um, really good fun to watch. <laughs> so, and then we actually recorded the podcast the next day on Sunday, right? We did, even though we've only got 10 minutes of it. We did record it. We have proof that it happened. <laughs> we, we both slept in on, on Sunday. <laughs> we needed that. And... Um, you know, Sunday afternoon, we, we hung out for a bit. We did the podcast. It was really cool. Your room was pretty fucking mint. <laughs> Overlooking the, the Bellagio fountain pretty high up. That was uh, pretty neat. And Kylie did a really good job. She's like, I quite like Ocean's Eleven as a movie. And um, she's going, well, we're going to be in the Bellagio. Let's make sure we get a shot. At, let's make sure we get a room with a view of the fountain. So that was handy. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And... Um, had a great podcast and uh, yeah, had some drinks and didn't pay attention to the uh, old computer. No. Why would you pay attention to the thing that's recording it? Honestly. We're like, well, we don't have to deal with Skype. Everything will go smooth. Yeah. So that failed badly. Um, yeah. So then we, because we were almost at the end of the trip at that point, we piss off over to Anaheim for 
a two-day, one-night stay uh, at Disneyland. So we did Disneyland one day and then Adventureland the next day. And then Kylie and I flew back to Sydney. My mum and my brother met us at the theme parks, but they flew out the day after us. Okay. And then, and then it was all over Red Rover. And I had to go back to work Monday of this week. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think was... anybody's fucking crying a river for you. Oh, shut up, you bastard. No, exactly right. It was, it was, yeah, the trip was fantastic. It was, I couldn't have asked for much more uh, apart from, you know, getting to get some photos of some players. That's the only thing that I missed out on for the entire thing. Yeah, it's okay, though. You you did, you did okay. I did all right. I so... got a photo with Brian Englom when I was in Tampa. Yeah? Yeah. He was the only, only person we, I could nab as they were coming out of the, coming out of the car park. So, I tried. What the hell town is he from? From those old mullet commercials? Oh, something, something falls. Niagara Falls? No, no, it, no. It's probably Glens Falls. But I thought they made uh, up. It, I, I believe they recorded it in Glens Falls, New York. All uh, right. He's I don't one, think... he is a he's a wonderfully polite man. I always he's, I always liked yeah. him from back in the he's, ESPN days. Same. So. Well, gotta say, pretty good trip. Yeah, I had a good trip. Actually, Mine was only three days, but I had a trip too. It's fine. Yeah, I've been mine's, I've, I've mine's, cut back quite a bit overall. So the few mine times, struggled after meeting the Wilson brothers. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, the night before. We counted the empties the next day, and we're like, Jesus. Oh, that's right. You caught up with... You just stayed at home and caught up with a friend as well, didn't you? Yeah, I got to see a friend from home that I hadn't seen in a while. So we, we hung out and went hard. That's why I was rubbish the next day when I met you at the hotel. That's why we did not record game day. I was like, I'll be fine. I just don't have a, a good uh, a good podcast uh vibe Mojo. going on and that's coming from someone who's actually literally passed out on one of these way back when yeah but that was a great podcast that's that was probably close to the best podcast i think we ever did and we couldn't post it it was devastating <laughs> hey it's our brand it is our brand <laughs> So, All right, so now the trip's over. Where do we want to pivot to? All right, we'll start with Jason Zucker, and that happened. That happened like on February tenth, right? It happened right after um, I left Vegas. We we left Vegas, and yeah, because like I, it happened while I was still in the states because I didn't fly out until like the twelfth. One of those things that you know, covering Rutherford for since what twenty fourteen fifteen. You, you, you kind of know tendencies, and when he gets caught on a player, he's he's going to see it through most times, and, and you got the feeling that Zucker was, was that guy this year, and um, it was just a matter of when. I just I, I can't believe he got away with acquiring a player with term, cost-controlled, for Alex Delchenyuk. 
Sort of. I mean, that that's just the salary offset piece. Uh, and, and I know Minnesota are just going, we'll just have the cap space because they're not going to re-sign him. I understand that. And I know they gave up a highly regarded uh, prospect for it. I mean, their, now... their best defensive prospect, yes, but th- that's not really... Uh, well, here's what I'll say about uh, Addison. Puck moving... He's got offensive numbers in the WHL. However, his he's plateaued offensively, and and he may be an overage player this year. Uh, I usually have concerns about that. When you're an overage player, it's usually you want to tempt expectations, even if they are killing it offensively. Yeah. And he's not. Um, I'm not saying he won't be an NHL player. I'm saying he isn't trending towards being an effective NHL player by the time the Penguins need him to be. Exactly. And that's all that really matters right now. The first round pick, who who cares? Like it doesn't Well we're, we're outside that window now where you have to plan ahead for Pittsburgh. I remember back when we started this podcast six years ago or whatever, we were always worried about deals being done that didn't allow cheap young talent into the roster so you could keep the superstars at their high salaries and have cheap players filling in the holes around the sides of the roster. And there still is need for that, but they've gone um, different routes to college free agents or or trades like John Marino where they've accomplished that. So that window is so small now that whatever, it only ever matters up until Sid and Gino and Latang retire. Well, one of those three retire or if they all retire together, I don't know. But if one of those three retire, then they have to start going back to the woodshed and acquiring yeah, draft picks but, and that kind of stuff. You know, but until that point, who gives a toss? Yeah, it's going to be a late... And, not for nothing, it, it's a conditional. Like, if the Penguins miss the playoffs and win the lottery, which they're leading the toughest division in hockey right now, so that's not happening. But just saying, yeah. even if they did fall at like fall off and half the team like got mumps again or something they were still protected (laughs) which makes no sense to me but sure um so that's the trade i thought it was a good trade absolutely i think that he's a great fit for the style that they need to be uh the style that they are now the style that they were when they were winning championships, not whatever the hell they were the the previous two seasons. And he's Zucker is quick. I can't lie. Uh, I don't take in a ton of wild games, but I knew he was fast. I knew he was a previous 30 goal scorer. I was curious about his hands because, you know, you didn't want a Konstantin Koltsov situation where you got afterburners and then, you know, I you, you got that picture of Pascal Dupuis without his hands. Yeah. Um, but early on in the game, he, he had a strong move to the net on a deke, and that I was just like, all right, his hands are just fine. And wouldn't you know it, scored on a one-timer from Sid, chopped a tip near the front of the net, showing a little craftiness in the net front area, um, he's going to do just fine with Sid. Um, I think it's a great fit for how Crosby plays, and it should should work out quite well. It it does make them terrifying 
I think if you look at the fact he's signed for a couple more years, because you get Gensel back in the lineup. Huge, and then huge that, part of the trade, having the... Yeah. The, that winger, the winger depth, yeah, the winger depth just pushes everyone down the lineup, which is almost always a good thing. Um, so, yeah, stoked for the trade. I, I've watched a few Penguins games since, obviously, the Toronto game last night, not one of the great ones. Um, but they they look good. I mean, they still need to fix the back six. But as a trade goes, in regards to filling a hole that got created due to an unfortunate injury... And I would argue um, um, a smart deal anyways, but the salary, of course, was held. Although, Gensel didn't get put on long-term injured reserve yet, so... Yeah, I'll be curious to see how... Because the deadline's the 24th, right? Monday, I think, yeah. Yeah, so Tuesday my time. So they're going to... I'll be curious to see how all of that plays out in regards to dollary dollary and and what's available and what's not cap space wise. But yeah, from what I read, I there's some performance bonuses for some of the players that they kind of want to save room for. And if they bring oh, up okay. LTIR, I think it doesn't allow them. I don't know. I need Mike Colligan That's, to reach out to me and explain it. <laughs> that isn't where I saw the information. But that, that would be reasonable. the guy that could explain it to me quite but easily. That, that makes logical sense. It might have been John Marino or Dominic Cahoon. Uh, I don't know what the bonuses are, but I think I've read somewhere that that was a, a mild concern of using Gensel's injured reserve yeah. space, which they haven't had to because they got rid of Goodbranson. And like you said, Galchenyuk, you know, just going to Minnesota, that freed up they have enough space so yeah but you could see marino basically reaching every goddamn performance bonus they would have had for him who knows who knows what they are yeah um so yeah very happy with that trade uh it's it's good it kind of it it felt like that was the start i know that the kings and the lease did a trade like five days earlier um but it felt like that was sort of the start of the deadline. Yep. You know, Pittsburgh got there and went right. Got they, good value for a non-rental before the prices really got out of control. So I appreciate uh, Rutherford's timing with that deal because I yeah. look at some of these other ones uh, now, and you know, but for Tyler Toffoli in particular. Tim Schaller, not really an NHL player. He's just kind of a body that went to the Kings. Tyler Madden, from what I hear, a hell of a college player. Uh, from Ryan Lambert, I believe I heard talking about him. He covers college uh, pretty closely and was bullish on him. So, And a second-round pick. So that's for a rental. Let's be honest, I... the Penguins' first-round pick might as well be a second-round pick. Kalen Addison, yeah. probably not better than Tyler Madden, and Galchenyuk and Schaller, whatever. You don't want him on your team anyways. So the thing with the Vancouver trade, though, is uh, was it Besser that went down with yes. the rib injury? and I didn't right. know that. I thought they were adding to Foley to complement. Maybe yes. put with and, JT and... Miller so Pedersen and Besser can be a combo, but he's out for quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, they thought it was three weeks and it might be closer to the playoffs, so massive gamble to, it, to do that yeah um, 
I'll, I'll, I'll give them this, and I don't. I haven't given the Canucks the benefit of the doubt the last few years for obvious reasons. Uh, they do play in a crappy division, so they could make a, a mini run just based on the stupid format, as long as they don't get Vegas in round one. Yeah, so I suppose my, my question is, where does, does throwing away, that's probably the unfair use of the word, but I'll use it anyway, is throwing away those those draft picks and the the asset worth it for one round of the playoffs for a team that is probably a year or two ahead of where they expected to be in regards to getting back to the... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, it's valid. S- some, teams, some teams do this and then it throws everything off and everything gets screwed around. Now, I know next to nothing about Vancouver and their pipeline, but it, there are times where... You see a team make the playoffs unexpectedly in a year, and then they don't make it back for three or four because they they legitimately weren't ready, sort the, of thing. The Devils to, to make, yeah, as an example. And look, I kind of get it. They went all in on it, and it worked. And then yeah, I just I just worry. About They're between a rock and a hard right. place, really. They are. You are right. So it's tough. I, I probably wouldn't have wanted to have given up as much as I did for Tyler Toffoli because watching him live, I still don't think he provides I suppose it'd be, inter- I was it'd be interesting to get him away from LA I don't think he's as fleet of foot as Pittsburgh would have needed him to be which I think I said that on the podcast that we don't have correct to say that he doesn't fit what the Penguins want so he might fit Vancouver fine but it seems like Zucker things. was the guy all along and people like me just writing about Tyler Toffoli just uh killing some internet pages with that stuff as far as the penguins were concerned um, nice uh. but i just brought up to foley just to kind of compare the zucker versus a rental oh the value yeah it's that's a lot to give up for a, yeah rutherford does we've said this before he does he's seem a mediocre to gm that trades a lot so it runs hot and cold and right yeah. now he's he's doing good yeah, he can start running cold once he stops running the Penguins. But, like, that's the thing. When you screw up the outer edges, and he has, you still got the core pieces. You can still tinker it's, around. Makes it easier to undo your mistakes. Unlike Jason Botterill, who got kneecapped by Terry Pagula in the O'Reilly trade, you cannot recover from trading away a number one center and getting absolute shit back. And, you know, that's the big difference. Well, that's the thing. They had two number one centers. Correct. <laughs> you know, that, that was a Pittsburgh situation. Two number one centers. You know, the, the, the Terry Pagula big on uh, culture, that's the Bills' big thing. Uh, they think they're winning on culture. They're winning because they brought in better players. Um, and when you win, everybody's happier. And the Sabres, despite getting rid of O'Reilly for culture reasons, doesn't seem too great there right now because guess what they're losing because they don't have many good players because they gave away like their best one outside of eichel for literally nothing losing sucks so there's a good stark difference in you know you got your core pieces you you have some wiggle room to fuck up a little bit you shouldn't like some of these decisions are just stupid that have been made for pittsburgh uh but they can be undone and they they are back to being a speed team this year. Uh, the moves have been better. 
even like the Tanev contract, which I still do not like, at least he's fast. At least he has a role that um, pushes in the right direction of success. I still argue how successful he's been. I know he had a few goals, um, some important ones, but some of them were empty net. He was drawing penalties a lot earlier in the year. I think I think he's kind of flattened out a little bit with his value, but at least he can skate. He can kill penalties because he can skate. Um, he's on a great defensive line with Aston Reese and Bluger. So, like, even, like, the stuff I'm not a huge fan of is still, it's not like Ryan Reeves or Jack Johnson or some yeah. of these other stupid moves that have been made. Um, so he's back to doing some of the better things. And, yeah. and, and you know, he's he's been gifted a situation where, you know, he has that opportunity to undo things. Not everybody does. No, and that's that's where you are kind of lucky that you, you've got the, you know, you've got the three pillars and, you know, a couple of goalies that are playing quite well. None, none of, none of whom he acquired. He has yet to acquire a goalie for this team. No, he's good at getting rid of them, though. No, no, but you know what I mean? Like Fleury? <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, I know. Murray? He got given... Jari got was given. a second-round Cheryl pick. He got give, and then there's still freaking maybe um, DeSmith. I don't DeSmith. Oh, I don't actually, know. No. I don't know if he was a college free agent that Botterill signed or if he drafted him. But I'll, I'll let's I'll tell you what Rutherford, you can have DeSmith. But like well, he might be trading DeSmith. The, the three main ones though, like he didn't even have to chase a goaltender. No. no. So, man, just re- just remember that Pittsburgh fans in five years' time when this team is terrible, how hard it is to build a team. Like how lucky everything coalesced at the time yeah, it's in the early two thousands. Like, you know, a that, different a different coin has them in Kansas City. Yeah, or because without like the Sid, they're cooked. And you know, they had three balls in that lottery, but that still wasn't a lot. No, maybe it was four. They they were tied for the most. Either way. Thank God it happened that way. Yeah. Um, some other things for Pittsburgh, uh, trade deadline-wise, because I don't think they're necessarily done. I think they are looking for a depth forward, and wouldn't you know it, I will share with you right now who that player might be. Yep. It is Connor Sherry. I'm good with did it. You, did I see that from Elliot Friedman? Yeah, so Elliot Friedman was on during intermission and said he wouldn't be surprised if Rutherford acquired him. Josh Yoey followed it up with his own speculation uh, the following day on The Athletic. Um, hey, as far as I know, you got Friedman, Yoey, who is uh, really good with that stuff on the beat. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I know there's some competition out there. Uh, Nashville being a team. I heard the Bruins. Maybe the Bruins aren't really in on that with the uh, Andre Cache thing that they did today. But I have always appreciated Connor Sherry's flexibility up and down the lineup. His yeah. underlying numbers have been good. Uh, he, he led the NHL in points per 60 one year, uh, which, you know, that's obviously Sid-driven. But... When you put somebody 
like him on Sid's line and he does that, like, that's good. That's objectively, like, he's not holding Sid back. And when you have a, a lineup and you can spread the offensive talent a little more because you have these filler pieces like Dominic Simone, uh, a Connor Sherry, now a Dominic Cahoon, who I think has done a nice job this year. Another one yeah. of those good trades that Rutherford made, uh, back to speed and skill kind of deal. Thank you. Thank you, Ollie. <laughs> Jeez. He's he's not doing so hot. I, I know that he was stapled to Seabrook for a bit, but he's he's <laughs> he's a chameleon. Guy just went, uh, went posty. Yeah. And you know, those kind of guys that you can those tweener top nine people um, when you get Gensel back eventually and Zucker, um, you've got two legit top six wingers, and then you you can play around with some of the other stuff. And Brian Rust is having a great year, and I, I just like the idea of Sherry as a depth guy who can also climb up to the Crosby line. And Sidney Crosby clearly likes playing with him, and that's always a bonus. Absolutely. I know some pe- I know some people don't think Connor Sherry's that good and he falls down a lot. Um but let's be honest, he was closer to the way the Penguins have always should have been playing and he's the kind of guy they departed from to make room for some of the crappier decisions and uh you know, we saw how it turned out. Not that Connor Sherry's driving the bus, but they started stripping away the reasons of the depth on why they were good and filled it with some crap, and you know, it, he doesn't have to drive the bus. He just has to make sure that he gets off at the right stop every time, and he generally did. They need, they need some more from the bottom six because while I complimented the Aston Reese Bluger Tanev line, they're not good offensively. You need you need three lines to be producing some form of tangible, like actual goals being scored offense and Connor Sherry, in the playoffs um, can help with that. Who, you know, it's it's right to bring up. He only has two playoff goals in 34 games. One of them, pretty big one, I suppose. The, <laughs> the game two overtime winner against the Sharks. But um, it's kind of like when, remember when Yager didn't have a playoff goal in forever? Yeah. For the Bruins and for... Um, I don't know if that extended outside of uh, the Boston run, but he was playing great hockey, though. Like, you can contribute, even though maybe the goals aren't going in. You can still get the primary assist, the zone entries, that kind of stuff. And I think they're really lacking. I don't want uh, Agazino and Angelo and Lafferty on a playoff roster. I'm sorry, no offense to them, and congratulations to Mr. Angelo on his first NHL goal. Uh, That was pretty cool the other night. Uh, mm. It's nice to see, like, Malkin was sick, goes down the tunnel in warm-ups, hey, Angelo, you're in. And then he scores his first ever goal. That's pretty cool. Um, but I don't want him on a playoff roster. No, and it, it, we don't yeah. know what's going on with Bugstad. Not super high on him anyways. I would prefer him to be the fourth line on the fourth line than either of those two other guys. Like, that's sort of the reality with it. With Bugstad. The, the, the point being, like, if you have this defense line that Sullivan's going to throw to the Wolves, which I agree with, like, let's have the third line be a line that can 
do it's got to create something it's got to create something otherwise it, it, it's you're relying on everything coming from six players and your power play and we know how tough that can be to try and win with only two lines um and the other part is i guess i'm i don't know where to put hornquist it leaves him on that third line that that's this is this is the problem with that contract Neither Malkin or Crosby seem enamored <laughs> to play with him. Uh, Rust is on that one spot. Simone is taking a spot up with Zucker, and that seems to be working out fine. It leaves you with McCann centering Hornquist and Sherry. Probably. Hang on. Something who's the like other that? winger on Mal- Who's the other winger on Malkin's line? Uh, should be Cahoon we... and Rust. Oh, that's right, Cahoon. I always forget. Well, he just got hurt, but we'll see. Yeah, but that's the thing with that's the thing with someone like Connor Sherry. It's a little bit of injury uh, insurance too. That's true. That's a good point. Dominic Simone goes down. Okay, Connor Sherry can fill the same, uh, you know, Swiss Army knife kind of usability. Dominic Cahoon goes down. Connor Sherry can fill that that role a little bit. so it's 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 funny talking about this in regards to the forwards. The way the forwards are constructed right now, that's not where I'm worried. No, and I understand it has, that. It has its problems, and adding to it is certainly always a good thing if you get somebody that can help, you know, push the puck in the right direction. My fear is the back six when yep. they can't get the puck moving quickly, the team gets trapped in its zone. The rolling averages more, don't look good right now. They they give up a lot of shots in bunches. So Pittsburgh, when they fly, um, you know, often get two shots on a break. Um, or if they can get the puck trapped in the zone, um, in the offensive zone, they move the puck around so well that they can get three or four shots. But when they get trapped in the zone, it's like a firing squad at times. And, and it's mainly because either Latang's been out there for too long, therefore obviously can't get to the puck as well as he would like. Justin Schultz is not the Justin Schultz pre-leg injury at the moment. Marcus Pedersen is good, but he has his limitations. I know that the, the two of their more important, and I can't believe you say that about an 18-year-old, two of their more important defenders are out injured, and they still have to come back into the lineup. But if they don't get their ability to get the puck to the forward sorted out quickly, this is a very good season that could go down the tube very quickly in the playoffs. It could. Uh, I share your concerns with the defense. Um, what can they do? Um, well, I do we know when Dumoulin's back? Do we know he started when? skating? Right. But he's um he's behind as far as the schedule, the original schedule. I don't think they have concerns about him for the playoffs necessarily. But look, if he's back, if he's back mid March, that's fine. I'm just saying, it's like, this team's not going to miss the playoffs, but seeding this year might actually be important. So winning the division might actually matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they're, they're they're at the top of it, with even with all of this going on. Oh, really no, impressive. So, um, so I thought a guy like Marco Scandella, uh, Brendan Dillon, these kind of names that were out there, They've gone. They are gone, and many of them, including Alec Martinez, who's now on the Vegas Golden Knights, um, 
very Doug Murray flavor to that trade. Two second round yeah. picks. Um, <laughs> I have in my notes here. I took some notes just to list the trades and what they were for. Um, woof. <laughs> Next to that one. Um, but Scandella went for a second. Dylan went for, I think, a second and a third. Yeah. Uh, Penguins don't have a second. So maybe they were priced out of that market. The second round pick, of course, going to Vegas to bribe them to take Flurry. For the expansion draft. Yeah. Um, so there's not a ton out there that I have dove into yet. I thought Scandella would be kind of... Uh, his underlying numbers were actually pretty pretty shit the two years prior, but really good this year in Buffalo, of all places. And he's been doing fine in Montreal. Uh, because Chris Letang needs some help. And earlier I was fine with, okay, keep Pedersen with Marino because, you know, you want that pairing. And it's gotten past the point where... Like, Chris Letang is not playing as well, and the answer is obvious, and it's it's being with Jack Johnson, and a lot of articles uh, came out today, I think Rossi had an article uh, just today about asking Malkin and Sullivan about what's going on defensively, you guys were a good defensive team, and they're talking about effort and committing to the uh, system, and it's like, yeah... I don't. I don't really think that's the root cause here. I think it's Dumoulin and Marino being out, and now you are killing your best defender. Um, so I looked it up today. Five v five shot attempts against per sixty. Chris Letang with Dumoulin, pretty good. Forty five point one seven. Anytime you're in the forty mid forties is is pretty good. Uh, with Jack Johnson, 6202, not good. Don't want to be in the 60s. Um, no. So when you want to talk about what happened to the Penguins defensively, uh, you took one of the best pairings in the league. Uh, well, they didn't do anything wrong. Uh, Dumoulin got hurt. Um, you lose that, and then you do the Jack Johnson thing over a course of weeks and months. Not only is Chris Letang's defensive attributes suffered his best attribute pushing play uh his shot attempts four per 60 with dumoulin 69.07 that's really good and you have jack johnson 52.04 these are huge swings and we're talking about 450 minutes of playing with johnson so this is not a smallish sample this is been detrimental to Latang, and I think we're at the point where we either you throw Yuso Ricola, who's had a better year this year than last, where last year he was as bad as Johnson, this year he's been better. Throw him to the wolves. Johnson is literally replacement level. Replace him with anything and find out. <laughs> That's what replacement means. Yeah. Or you put Pedersen up there and form uh, the best pairing you can and Rod him for 30 minutes Maybe again. you give Ricola to Schultz and see what happens there. Uh, you might find out that's a good pairing. Does so when Pedersen just... comes back with Marino, 
Maybe they're not as tempted to put Johnson with Schultz. We know that's a shit strategy. Is it? Is it that? Is it that they just don't trust Schultz enough? Like I know we sit here and we're you know quite clearly honing in on on Jack Johnson being the tire well, fire. I, I hear he you, is. but at, at, you are wrecking Chris Latour. Yes. No, no, you're you're destroying it. You're destroying a, a strength. I, I understand that, but are they that terrified of Justin Schultz being away from Pedersen that they don't want to make that move because then they're going to put? Well, you did suggest that. I wrote about um, it earlier this week. Yeah. If, if they think that down on Schultz, not everybody in the league will. Trade him. In a hockey trade, not a – I don't want draft picks or prospects. I don't want to take from the current roster. I If Michael Granlin is a pending UFA in Nashville and they – I know Ryan Ellis just came back, but if they're looking up and down their right side and they're like, well, we could use some help here um, – Trading Granlin for Schultz is the kind of thing that I would personally think about. Uh, Schultz for Hoffman would be an overreach in value, in my <laughs> opinion. Um, there'd have to be more to that. But like something along those lines is the Panthers are shopping Hoffman and are looking for D-help. They're shopping Trocheck for the love of God. How Botterill hasn't flipped Ristolainen for Trocheck in some sort of package by now is... Um, ridiculously a, de- a, a, detriment to, a detriment to our opinion of Botterill. Well, I think he's made some of the, the outer moves that have been fine. Um, and now he's gun-shy after the O'Reilly thing. And, um, you know, I, I, I think he's probably an average GM that lost. He got... He got crushed by his owner early on into the tenure and hasn't done well enough to be aggressive to overcome that, and that's on him. Yeah. That is on him. Ristolainen being on the roster, that's on him. O'Reilly being traded on June 30th at 10 p.m., that's on the owner. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's certainly not Didn't him. want to pay the guy who lost his love for hockey $7.5 million, and the Blues are like, well... We'll pay it, but we're not going to give you very good prospects. Oh, by the way, eat these shit burger salaries from <laughs> Sabatka and Berglund. And Bodrell's probably looking at the clock getting close to midnight. Owner's probably like, you need to trade this fucking guy before midnight. And uh, there you have it. Um, so his whole tenure has not been good. Um, and it all stems from that one trade. It is. It does show you how hard it is for general managers. One move can screw you up altogether, and when it's out of your hands, that's even worse. It wasn't totally out of his hands. I don't want to dismiss him of any ownership of the the trade, but I, I, well, time... he could have tried to make the trade better than it was. Absolutely, but when your owner's telling you to ship him out, and everybody knows that, it makes and there's hard. a time frame like yes, yeah, you're to up get against done. the clock. Because I'm a meddling owner that doesn't know much about the sport, and you know there should have been somebody there to push back. Should have been Botterill himself. And that's another problem that you've got as a general manager. If you can't push back, you keep. How are you going to win? So I do think there something has to give defensively for for Pittsburgh, as you said. Um, it can it can harm them. It really can. They've done a nice job getting back to the more of a 2015-16 model. If they can somehow get to the second round, it might open the door for Gensel 
to magically appear sooner than maybe people thought. Or, but I'd be terrified doing that. I know. I, but I, I, like, know I get why the look. I get why the player would want to do it. I get why the club would want to do it. But as a as somebody that's worked with athletes, I'd just be terrified that it's going to go again, and then that whole next season is going to be toast as well. That's always the risk you run with with doing something like that. But you're not going to sit there and go, you know, if you can't, if it's at the point where he's skating with the team, it's like, okay, cool. Uh, is everything mechanically sound? Yes. Can he take a hit? Yes. Well, there's no logical reason to keep him out, except for healing a bit longer and getting more strength into it by doing more more um, weightlifting and stuff like that. At that point, you're like, well, just play. Like, it's still terrifying as a trainer. Yeah. What can you do? But they have a chance to really be a powerhouse uh, in the playoffs. They have two good goalies. I don't view that as a problem. Uh, we can nope. we'll discuss you know who should get the playoff start as we get closer, more of a sample to draw from. Uh, but Murray's been a lot better. And that's a great thing. They have two solid goaltenders that if one went down, the other one you'd be like, "Okay." Yeah. Yeah, it's not like it, other years where yeah, I agree. So yeah, the defense can really do a a number on this team. Marino, you know, he should be back. He'll probably have a cage on. Um, not to dismiss a broken cheek, but we know that the players can can play with that and, and do fine. The Dumoulin thing, he, he started skating for a half an hour the other day. Um, we'll see where it goes. He should be ready, but he did lacerate tendons, and that's never really a good injury to have. Nope. So you don't know what the bounce back is. He even going to be, you know, good. That's an unknown. So if if he's behind schedule, I'm not all that worried to be honest, because it just taking their time to make sure he's fine. Probably because of the tendons. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. if they were rushing him back because you know they can see the same holes we can, then I'd be worried. So they've got time. They might as well use it. Would you like me to throw out a different worry? Yep. With, with the probability greater than 0%, albeit probably not uh, not much higher than that. But yeah, Come on. Ron Hainsey and Trevor Daly are pending free agents. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I can't rule it out. Well, you go back to the well, don't you? If, if you're going to go back to the well, do do the sherry well. Yeah, please. Don't, um, you know, the daily uh, Hainsey thing. The Hainsey, Hainsey was terrible in that pairing with Dumoulin. Their goalie just made every freaking save. They were like low 40s for shot share. That was a, that was a hell of a magical run. Um, a lot of coin flips went their way to get to that point, and, you know, if you're looking at it and you're just um, following as a fan, awesome. Uh, I don't expect anybody to be upset about what went down. Uh, when you're trying to like analyze the, the on ice stuff, it, it was tough to ignore just the, how fortunate that team was. Yeah, so hope, you take the win. They don't you, bring that dude back. You take the win either way, but you sit there and go, "That's not repeatable." 
You can't try and do it that way again. I wouldn't suggest trying to do that. <laughs> and right now they don't have to, so let's not go down that road. But we'll see. A lot of the, the, the people I thought could have been a fit have been moved, so. They might be stuck And not the for super cheap block. either. A lot of them involve second round picks, which Pittsburgh doesn't have. It does make it difficult. Don't have their first, which is fine. They traded it for Zucker. That obviously they've used fine. it. They've already used it for their assets, so that's fine. Look, this if if Dumoulin and Marino come back, it's just going to be how they deploy the players they've got. That that's probably the, my my biggest fear is is they'll they won't put Dumoulin back with Latang. They'll put him with Schultz, and. And then it's just, you need to put your best players in a position to succeed. And, and having Jack Johnson next to Chris Latang is not that. Mm-hmm. And Sullivan has every right to go, I know what I'm doing. Look what's going on. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're winning, but surely they, they're getting the numbers that say, this is going backwards. So surely they can see that. It's been trending for a bit, but get a little bit healthy. I, I don't have too much, too many concerns if they get proper health. Yeah. In a perfect world, they don't have to play Johnson. They can just play Ricola with Schultz on the bottom. Yeah, but Schultz we know we know that's not going to happen. I was trying to work it out in my head, looking at the roster. And Tell I you just... what, though. They, they did bench his ass against the Islanders, and they played their best game. Yeah. I know they this... went right back and undid it, because here's the stupid thing. For as good of a job as Mike Sullivan's done, he still is the victim of just being a hockey coach in the NHL, where, oh, we lost, so we'll make a change. But if, if they had scored in overtime to win that game, I don't think Johnson goes back in the lineup, which is no, such I... a fickle and stupid way to – it's yeah. certainly not process-driven – analysis going on no, there. Right, no, I agree. And look, that that's why I can't see him coming out of the lineup. That's all. I just... I, I look at it, and you go, they get everybody back, everybody's healthy. Johnson is not one of the best six defenders Pittsburgh have on their roster. And he's not going sure he's to... Not he's ever in. been. Correct. And I just sit there with it and go... But he's better out, this they, year. But he's not. I know, I put the charts side by side. The I knew side. that before the charts. I saw him live. <laughs> you did. You saw how he doesn't uh, work to get open for uh, Latang on a breakout for shit. Oh, it's, it's, it's one of the things that's brilliant about watching the game live, and particularly watching it, like you said, in the 200s. Like, if you watch it on the first level, like... Get out of the bowl and watch it the first level up in any arena. And hockey's a beautiful sport to watch because you can see everything that's going on. You can see where the players are going to try and create angles or to try and cut angles off and stuff. And Johnson does fuck all for any of that. Latang has to generate it all himself. He's the one that has to, to change where the stick is. He's the one that has to move the three steps to make the passing angle possible. Johnson, I think, understands what his skill level is and just goes, Latang's got the puck. I'm getting out of the way. And just goes and hides in a corner. And it's it's maddening to watch because there are times where you go, just pivot, just push off a foot and create an angle and then the team can go. 
And teams are onto it. Like, one of the reasons, like you said, Latang is struggling as much as he is at the moment is that they know he has no bailout. That they, they know if you pass it to Dumoulin, he can do something with the puck. He can skate it out himself, or he can actually hit a first pass. Johnson can do neither of those two things. So they don't fear the puck going there. And Johnson does nothing to help Latang get out of, a, out of a spot. So when people sit there and go, how the hell did Latang turn that over? Or why did Latang try to make a 60-foot cross rink pass to the forward that's up at the up at the red line. That's why, because Johnson but doesn't give him anybody to go. But there's turnovers. Yeah, there's a reason they're happening. And they happen far more they happen far more with Johnson than they do with Dumoulin. And most of the ones that happen when Dumoulin's on the ice with Latang is Latang was trying to do too much and really should have used Dumoulin in his bailout and he didn't. But these other ones, when he's out there with Johnson he doesn't present himself to be a to be an exit pass. It's just so frustrating to watch in sixty minutes of hockey. Like fuck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a rant over. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yep, I can't uh, can't really disagree with anything there. But um, you know, um, I thought today Ducks taking on a first round pick and David Backus for Andre Case. Is it Cache? Uh, is it Cache or Carthay? I, I, I just I don't trust myself with that he's one. Had, he has, he's had the injury bug, but he's a good player. Um, I kind of wanted the Penguins to do a similar trade to get Johnson off the roster last year. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people are high on Sam Poulin, but... Getting rid of Johnson will have a bigger impact on their win now window in a positive way than I think Poolin ever will. Addition by subtraction. Um, you know, even even if Poolin does mature into a quality NHL player, when when? You it's know, it's all timing. I mean? It's all timelines now. That that's literally what it comes down but to, isn't it? I do not have any trouble with using the first round pick on Zucker. I just thought maybe, you know, getting Johnson off the roster in a similar way that the Bruins just got Backus off theirs was um, smart by them. Kind of feel for Backus. Traded away from St. Louis. Lost to St. Louis. Traded away from Boston. He's now in Anaheim. Like, he just he just mistimed everything. Yeah. Happens. Does show you how hard it is to actually win a cup, though. Yeah, it's almost like judging players on that for their own individual merit is foolhardily the wrong thing to do. Correct. Um, so, still names out there like Chris Kreider. Um, Pajot is another name that um, gets brought up in the in the trade stuff. Um, Nemesnikov of Ottawa. A lot of Ottawa people... Clearly, Tyler Ennis is another name. Say the Penguins strike out on Cherry, if indeed they are looking for that. I think Tyler Ennis is another player of that mold that I would be totally fine with. I, in fact, wrote about Ennis over the summer as a UFA to get. Once you miss the 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 big window, he's the kind yeah. of aftermarket solid. Uh, had a history of being a good top six player in Buffalo. Had a good year on the fourth line in Toronto, having a, another fine 
year given his role in Ottawa. So if you you don't want Connor Sherry for whatever reason, I think Tyler Ennis, is, if you're a Penguins fan, is a good fit for what the Penguins are trying to do right now. you got Kovalchuk, who's doing great in Montreal. be interesting to see Dustin Bufflin, if anything comes of that. Oh, I think he's toast. He might be, but I yeah. you hear rumblings that he might be moved. Joe Thornton, maybe, to Boston? That would be interesting. Uh, oh, that'd fucking suck for the East if that happened. Yeah, well, I like just look Joe, at where so. they could they could just plug him into the lineup and down to the third or the fourth line and just go do your thing. He's so good still now. Like he's a little bit slower, but if you're playing down the lineup and playing against the right opponents, that'll just suck balls. Yeah. So you know, on the next podcast, we'll have some more clarity on where these players have gone. Have some. Well, we post deadline, won't it? Yeah. So that'll be good. Um, I think that's it for this podcast. I know we probably went a little long, and it's going to be longer because you're going to get that ten minutes right oh after this. So yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening. Sorry we couldn't get it to you sooner, but uh, yeah, we fucked that up. So thanks for waiting on the delay, guys. Oh, no, it's, thanks for the patience. <laughs> so we will leave you, and here's the uh, ten minutes from our podcast. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Hockey Hurts Podcast, live from the Bellagio <laughs> in Las Vegas. Uh, this is Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. This is Cameron Walsh from HockeyHurts.com. Yes, we are no longer doing this cross-continents. We are in not only in the same country. Same room. Same room. 20th floor overlooking this wonderful Bellagio fountain. And... Um, Fresh off of going to uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, Carolina Hurricanes game last night, which I I think I can speak for both of us. We had a pretty great time. It was a good game, lots of goals. Um, obviously, we'll talk about that and uh, even more about Cam's uh, cross-country hockey escapades. He's had a hell of a vacation going here. So, yeah, here we are. This is a lot easier. This helps. Uh, not that we sort of helped ourselves last night or the night before. Uh, Vegas is very easy to enjoy. So if we sound a little slow, it's because we are. Um, yeah, the game last night was good. Like the whole... It's funny, I've gone through a few different arenas on this trip and Vegas is great. Like we missed the pageantry at the start, just mm -hmm. us trying to get to the game. So I couldn't give you a review on that comparatively to everybody else's pregame, but... Just the vibe in the arena and how it runs, it's, it's really, really good. Like, to, seeing as it's a new venue, not sterile at all. And the atmosphere's great. I was super impressed. Um, 
he he missed the pageantry at the beginning because we took him to a Bills bar to get him some Western New York flavor uh, before the game. Um, I caught the tail end of it. Uh, apparently, my brother plays men's league against the night, so I kind of hung out with the night upstairs in the bar during <laughs> intermission. Gave him a fist pump. That's cool. I think my brother tried to steal his sword. That's it, like Corey. Um, so um, it was super uh, impressive. There, obviously, it's Vegas, and they have a showmanship of everything. But just little things like when there were important replays to happen. It was like in live time. They didn't wait for the whistle. It was like uh, watching a WWE pay-per-view when there's like a big slam and they do the the box at the bottom to show what just happened. Oh, okay. I mean, so like when the, there were a few crossbars and we, we weren't sure, at least from where we were, did, they, did that go in? And right away on the screen, mm. like, is the play still going? Boom. You, you can see it. I thought that. I don't know. I, I guess I don't get to a ton of... NHL games live anymore. Biggest complaint, Kai, and I have had on the trip in all the arenas, bar this one, is the replays, or lack thereof. They don't show you what's happened, particularly if a player gets injured or as a controversial play in arena replays are so rare to come by. And as a fan, you kind of need to know what's going on in the arena. Like There are times where if you watch it on TV, you wonder why there's no buzz in the crowd or what the hell is going on. It's probably because everybody's sitting there going, well, what the fuck just happened? Uh, whereas didn't have that with Vegas because Kyle and I were sitting at Fleury's end of the ice and we were down low. So obviously... You, you sure were. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> so we were... You get you get halfway down the ice and because you're so low, there's a lot of stuff you just don't get to see. Mm-hmm. So you, you do rely on the replay to cover you off on a few things. And you're right, the Vegas was good for that. The arena was good. Um... Just everything about it. it was really awesome. Um, I do not think it was a tourist crowd. I think that the residents here love this fucking team. Yeah, they're on board. It is definitely a local team. It's not, yeah, imports. The most, uh, I see Vegas gear everywhere I've gone since I've landed. And it's everywhere in the shops. And my brother took me to the practice rink He where he plays men's league. The team store there was pretty excellent. Um, I think the team was actually practicing and they... They're famous for having the open practices with lots of fans, but it was closed off. They had the shades down. Uh, must have wanted to keep their power play and all their secrets. Oh, uh, but apparently Carolina must have had someone in there. Yeah, quite clearly. <laughs> they, were, uh, they were good last night. But the game was 5-5 five, five with a shootout being the sixth goal for Carolina. Uh, that was a good game. It was. It was, it was interesting. Corey got there and said... Yeah, but four goals in the in the third, and I'm like, yeah, but it was just a fun game to watch. Like, Fleury did not play great, and quite clearly, I was sitting where I was sitting for a reason. But oh, you did get on the third, yeah. And some of them, with the first, he didn't even no, couldn't have seen it. No, no. But, look, uh, it's it's one of those things where there were even against Tampa when we saw them play Tampa. There are goals that he gave. He gave up one goal, the first goal in the Tampa game, and it's like can't give that one up not against Tampa like you don't you can't give those ones up because the next two goals were tip-ins he had no chance on either of the tip-ins so you look at some of the goals he gave up against Carolina it's the same problem he gives up a goal you go how did that go in like the goal at the end of the first that was a tip yeah they did score yeah right at the end of the period and you just sit there and go you just (laughs) and that would have been so deflating to lose that game for Vegas because they you know 
they're they're missing games in hand on the rest of their division, and they're third. And but for them, that division sucks. So they might be okay. They might, but they they're not going to go anywhere if he doesn't play better. Um, Simple as that. I thought it was uh, funny watching. Uh, there was a Yoast tweet. I went through stuff this morning because, uh, you know, I'm out of the loop. <laughs> like, I'm not on, like, this whole weekend I haven't yeah. been on my phone or anything. And, and Yoast was like, I haven't seen the Hurricanes get dummied up like this. And, he, that, you know, that must have been when it was Vegas opened it up. Yeah. Wise, and then you have the. I just laughed because obviously the four goal third happened. Yeah. And, and they worked their way back to it. Um, I sent you a text before the uh, overtime and shootout. Oh, uh, the park check, yeah. Because my brother, uh, Vegas was down one late, and he put in his bet for, or whatever to for the Golden Knights to win. And they scored right after, and I said, "All right, you're in good shape because if this goes to a shootout, Flurry's gonna poke usually, check his way." Yeah. First attempt, double, double pad poke check that yeah. he actually was successful on. Kylie's like, "Was that a penalty?" I'm like, "In in a game, yes. In a shootout, it won't be because he just tripped the fuck out of him." <laughs> but he's so good at that. Yeah, I know. And it was good to see him in person do the thing that I think is one of his best strengths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then uh, kind of didn't work. No, nah. he's I think Sveshnikov and Justin Williams yeah. ended it. Um, Fucking Justin Williams. It was yeah. He didn't he didn't win his bet, and I was a little bit surprised. It was on a flurry shootout thing. Yeah, you'd feel pretty good backing him on that. But that Carolina Hurricanes team is good. Yeah, they I like s- that they were the opponent. Yeah, it was really lucky. Like I got to watch Stall play. You know. Sort of thing as well, so I was really happy with that. But they are a good team. Aho is good. I wish Dougie Hamilton was in there, but you know, yeah. it is what it is. Um, the the Vegas games that we've watched are really quick. Minimal stoppages. The games barely go because we've 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 seen them in Tampa, Vegas, and Nashville. Yeah, why don't we go through your other? Uh... All, right, all right, so we'll go back to the start, which was. Tampa v. LA at Staples. Okay. Um, Staples is a blah building. Yeah. I know Kobe had just died and there was a lot of... Well, you, did you get the... Was that the ceremony night? Yes. So that was unique. Yeah. It was, well, yeah. You, and cool. you've been an NBA fan for quite some Yeah. Time. Well, my little brother and I went to Chase Center and that is brand new for the Warriors. Like, that's their new arena. And that building is amazing. The scoreboard is amazing. The fact that they have advanced stats up on the... I don't want to get to this. Uh, They have advanced stats all across the scoreboard so you can see what's going on, what players are doing well, and all that. You go, it can't be that hard for other sports to do this. But when um, we... Like, that Warriors game wasn't great, but just the building itself is awesome. It needs some life about it, because it is it's so new, you, you can smell it. It's such a new building, mm-hmm. and it is a bit sterile. But um, the fans do a pretty good job of getting involved in a team that have none of their superstars playing. It's been uh, a tough year for them. Yeah. And, and, but nobody's feeling pity for them. But, this is no pity party. <laughs> but losing Steph and uh, Clay. Yeah. And obviously Durant left. Yeah, it doesn't. Even though his, he 
he hasn't played this year. He blew his Achilles. Right? Yeah, well, and that's that's the thing with, with with Thompson as well. I think he did his ACL, and then <laughs> the shit injuries. I know, and then Steph hurt his wrist. So um, that's why they weren't playing. So it was just Iggy and um, Demarcus Cousins or D'Angelo Russell. Sorry, it's D'Angelo Russell, and Russell was good, but the that scoreboard because it's brand new, it's just ginormous. Like, was it bigger it, than the Vegas one? Oh. I thought the Vegas one was twice good. the size of the Vegas one. Wow. It absolutely. I took I I took a photo of it, and it still doesn't do justice to the size of it. It's like you're sitting in front of a TV at home, and you know. Well done, Jits. Like riding a bike. 